This is part two of my effort to help us get our heads around the New Testament approach to duty or obligation or responsibility or obedience or ethics. And I'm summing it up like this. It's not unique to me at all. This is very common understanding of of Paul especially, become in experience, in reality, daily life, what you are in Christ. So Christ has, by a sovereign work of uniting us to his Son by the Spirit through faith, established us to be what we are, and we're called then on the basis of what we are to become certain kinds of people. It sounds paradoxical, but that's the genius and glory of New Testament ethics. So let's go one step further than last time. Last time we we began by by seeing this key passage in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, in Christ, in this miraculous union with Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. A decisive change has happened. Behold, the new has come. So we are a new creation. We are something new in Christ. Now, what about our duty to become? Let's go to the middle of Romans. We looked at the first of Romans last time. 6, 12 to 14. Let not sin therefore reign. So there's the the commandment, there's the duty, the responsibility, the obedience. Don't let this happen. Don't let sin reign. Be active. Make an effort. Stop it. Kill it. Don't let it happen in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Why? Because sin will have no dominion. It's a promise. It's God has acted so decisively in you, in uniting you to Christ, that he can say, this is not going to happen. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So, test yourself. Are you still in the grip of mere human logic so that you say, look, if we can be absolutely assured by God's word that sin will have no dominion over us. We don't need to make any efforts to see that it has no dominion over us. That's unbiblical, arrogant thinking. And we need to submit our minds to this glorious teaching. God has promised it will have no dominion. And on the basis of this promise, he calls us now, fight it, kill it, battle it. Let the battle be based on the victory. Don't say, oh, if the victory is assured, I could just stay in bed. No, you can't. If you stay in bed, you will show you're not united to Jesus. This is promised to those who are in Christ, and those who are in Christ take this text seriously and base their battle in not letting sin reign on the promise that it won't reign. Here's the next unit 
in Romans 6. Thanks be to God. Yes, indeed, he's the key. That you who were once slaves of sin, oh, once, 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 slaves of sin, but have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free, it is done. You are set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. There's the key indicative. This is true. This has happened. You have become slaves of righteousness. And then he says, I know I'm speaking in human terms because of the natural limitations. Four, and I think this four here is a very odd four. It's not really a ground four because it it introduces an imperative. Now present your members as slaves. You, you, You can hardly in an ordinary way make an imperative be the argument for an indicative. We have become slaves of righteousness because now present your members. That just doesn't make sense. So for sometimes in Paul is explanatory so that I take it to be something like, for let me now uh, give you further uh, uh, applications of this human analogy of slaves. So here comes the further explanation and application for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. That was before the big change happened and you you were united to Christ. Now, command, present your members as slaves to righteousness. So you see the order. We have become slaves of righteousness. Now, act it out. Present your members as slaves of righteousness. Don't say, well, if I'm already enslaved, I will by nature just do it, so I don't need to make any effort to obey this command. You're proving yourself unbiblical and out of sync with the Spirit when you talk like that. Here it is again, Ephesians 4.21. You were taught in Christ to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self. So you were taught, put off the old self, put on the new self. And then he says something amazing. This new self, which you are to put on, has been created. It was created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You're not creating anything when you put on the new self. You're not creating anything when you put off the old self. You have been created. You are a a new creation. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. You have been created after the likeness of Christ. When, when you were, were saved and God caused you to be born again and united you to Christ, he created something new. That's a done deal. And now the evidence of it is, do you take this and this seriously? Or do you scoff it off and say, oh, I'm new in Christ. I don't need to do any putting off. I don't need to do any putting on. No, please. You don't say that. You say, oh, indeed, I will be about the business of putting off my old self and putting on my new self because because I have been created new in Christ Jesus. Summary.
Sin will have no dominion over you. Therefore, don't let it reign in you. You are slaves of righteousness. Therefore, present your members as slaves to righteousness. Your new self was created into righteousness. Therefore, put off the old self and put on the new self. This is the structure of New Testament ethics. Maybe one last text, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. That's done. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And yet he says this, so I'm crucified and I don't live. I'm crucified, I don't live. And the life I live. (laughs) Oh, I love the New Testament. I love Paul. I love the teachings of Jesus. These are so contrary to ordinary human ways of viewing the world. Who would ever think of it? The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the, the self that died, the self that is no longer living, it's gone. I no longer live. That I, that I is the unbelieving, self-reliant I. And a new I has come into being, namely the I who lives by faith. So if you wonder, how do you go about this kind of ethics where you don't let sin reign and you present your members as slaves and you put off the old self, all of those are acts of faith in Jesus You trust Jesus. You say, Jesus, you have done this. You have done this. You have done this. This is what you are. This is who I am. I will believe you. I will take my stand in that amazing reality, and I will act trusting you to work out these realities in my life. I will become in experience what I am in Christ. Now there's more. I want to show you something else when it comes to whether we know we're in Christ or not in the next part.